children are going to move along and we're going to move into the book of Acts. Seems like it's been an eternity since I have gone to the book of Acts on Wednesday night. It hasn't been, but it seems like it has been. Um, how many of you are still reading the book of Acts? Thank you. Please keep doing that. Um, I'm going through, almost through my second time, and I'm reading from a different translation. And I got so excited the other night when I was reading. I came across one of my favorite, the New of Acts, chapter 16, and I was reading from the New English Translation. And the way that the translator presented that particular situation just brought a new light of inspiration. That's the way it is when you go to the Word of God. It is always fresh. And I do believe that there is a power in the Word that we can never exhaust. And if we could ever learn how to really tap into that and let that Word be in us, I believe that it would make us even more effective and more powerful in our witness. Acts chapter 2 for your consideration tonight. Going to go back to verse number 43. Acts chapter 2, verse 43. We'll be looking at another chapter or two. But I want to particularly draw your attention to verse 43. And the scripture said, fear. And fear came upon Every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. Sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Verse 46. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple... And breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God, having favor with the people, all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. When the world is at its worst, it needs a church at its best. Amen. And that's what we have been exploring. And I don't want to bore you, but I do feel the Lord would like to talk to us for a few moments. If you'll open your heart, let's just let the Lord speak to us tonight. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Every time we go back to the book of Acts, there is something fresh that is revealed to us. A new insight, a new inspiration, a new encouragement, a new challenge to believe 
God for greater things. I am convinced of what I said the last time we were in this book, that it may have begun in Jerusalem, but that wasn't where it was supposed to end. We are still writing, in my estimation, the final chapters to the book of Acts. And I do not believe that the Lord would have invested all of the power and the miracles and the signs and wonders in that beginning and not also have it available for the end. I still believe that the Old Testament prophecy about the church would be that the latter house would be greater than the former house. It was a typology of the temple, but it had a deeper spiritual meaning than just the physical temple. It represented the work of God, I believe, that he wanted to do in the end time. That's why the prophet made this statement, that at evening time there shall be light. When everybody else is looking for the sun to go down and darkness to overcome the world, there ought to be a group of people somewhere that are believing the light's about to shine and the glory of God is about to be revealed. And it has been my sincere desire to, to help our church as we go through and look at different aspects of the church when it was in its glory and when it was operating at its optimum uh, power and proficiency before all of the rancor and the bitterness that came into the church later on. You read about Paul having to deal with divisions in the Corinthian church and immorality and other uh, corners of the earth that had kind of filtered in. But this this glimpse of the church is before all of that began to take place, before carnality began to make its presence known in the church. It was still a body that was being influenced and led by the Holy Ghost. And one of the things that I have been overwhelmed with in my reading of the book of Acts again and again has been how profoundly convinced they were of Jesus and his purpose and his ministry in the earth. And it was that conviction that gave them such power to declare him to be the one and only means of salvation. He said, Peter said, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. When they asked how this miracle was performed, he said it was by the name of Jesus. They were profoundly impacted by the power of the Holy Ghost. And they were convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was the way. He was the truth. He was the light. Not a way, not a truth, or not a light. But he was the truth. He was the light. And so when you're convinced of that and you're convicted of that, you go into a world, you're going to make a difference. And I think probably one of the great weaknesses of the church in the day in which we live, including us in some degree, is that we're not as convinced about this as we need to be. 
Amen. I knew I ought to get a nod somewhere, but I, I'm just telling you, <clears throat> there's too many questions that come through our mind. Well, what about this or what about that? When I read the book of Acts, they didn't have room for what about this or what about that. All they had room for was Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You don't like it. It's not my fault. He's the one that put all of that out. I'm just telling you the news. The news is there's only one way that a man can be born again of water and spirit. And they went into the world convinced of that message. And they impacted the world with what they believed. I believe when we fall in love with that and we are convinced and convicted, we will go forth in that same. We won't, we won't be, as Brother Kilgore used to say, mealy-mouthed about it. We'll just say it like it is. Amen. We're not offensive. We don't do it to be rude. But if you look at the book of Acts, Paul didn't mince his words. When he went into a new city, he just talked to them about the truth, about the fact that Jesus Christ was the revelation of God in flesh and he had come to redeem mankind and you can't find salvation any other place. You can't find healing or miracles in anywhere else but in Jesus. And they went throughout the, the, the that world and they turned it upside down. I love that statement. They, they These are they which are, have turned the world upside down. Amen. Wouldn't it be great... If after a while the devil had to make a notation about Webster, that there's a church on 528 that have gotten hold of something, they've gotten reconnected, they've gotten revitalized, they've gotten refocused on what really matters and what is important, and they have turned this community upside down. What is going on over there? Amen. I, I believe it ought to happen. I believe it should happen. One of the things that I've asked the Lord to help me do is recommit myself to the things that matter to Him. Our quest may be simple, but it is extremely challenging to rediscover the things that helped contribute to the great revival that swept through the world after Pentecost and to see the church when it was at its best. We look at it. And when we look at it, we saw and we have seen several things. Prayer, unity, being filled and operating in the Holy Ghost, being true witnesses and hungering for more. A message that reaches the heart of people, not just the mind of people. Passionate about the purpose and the plans and the will of God and intentional in their efforts and valuing the things that matter to God. The kingdom matters. Doctrine matters. And when we get back where that is important to us and, and it becomes the focus of our efforts, then uh, something powerful is going to happen. I'm going to tell you why I believe the worship around here has been so powerful over the last few years. It's not because... We have great talent. We do have great talent. But it's not because we have skilled musicians. But it's because there has been an intentional purpose to lift up the name of Jesus and to praise and magnify God and somehow disappear behind a curtain so that all that people can see is the mighty God who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. It's not about my talent. It's not about my skills. It's about 
His glory. And so tonight, let's go a little further. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. <clears throat> I want to go back there and, and, and just sit for a few minutes, and I won't sit long, but I want to, I, I just, this has been eating on me for about three weeks, and i got to get it off my mind so it won't keep bothering me. But not bothering, but eating on me. But the Scripture says, And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all. The progression spoke to me and said, I want you to notice the progression. He said, I want you to notice how... Those things are in place and the order in which they are and the results that one contributes to the other. Number one, the Bible said they were with gladness. That means they were filled with joy. That's a word that we could, we could inject there and not change the meaning. They were joyful. There was an excitement. They're, they're, the church ought to be the happiest place in town. It, it ought to be the place that we look forward to go to the most. We, we ought to get more excited about coming here than we do to a blue light special at Kmart. Some of you don't even know what that is, I don't think, but it used to be something big. There ought to be something about this house of God and about coming together as a body. They were filled with gladness, joy. It, it, it came out of them. They didn't have to make it happen. They didn't come to church to get happy. They came to church because they were happy. <laughs> oh, what a difference it would make. Some people have to come to church to get in a better mood. Just get in the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost will get you in a better mood. So when you come to church, you can enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. And you can magnify, you can come in with the gladness I'm excited to be in the house of God. I'm thrilled to be with God's people. He said gladness, joy, singleness of heart. That means simplicity and sincerity of heart. There wasn't a lot of competing interests going on. They, they, they weren't having to divide their loyalties between do I live for God or I don't live for God? Do I go to church tonight or do I not go to church tonight? Do I give or do I not give or do I serve or do I not serve? They had one track minds. They had one thing they wanted to do and they wanted to, they, they wanted to please the Lord in everything they could do. And so when they came in the door with gladness and they had that one ambition, I didn't come to church to be seen. I didn't come to be heard. I didn't come for you to to to, to uh, examine me or me examine you. I didn't come here to be critiqued. I didn't come here to be criticized. I came here to magnify the Lord. They, there was one thing on their mind. You ever get around people that just have one track minds? Doesn't that drive you nuts sometimes? You think, come on, think of something else. But they were one-track-minded. I wish we could get that way when it comes to church. Amen. I, when, when, when we start 
heading this way. We don't start church when we walk in the doors or even when we sit down. We start church when we start putting our clothes on, getting ready to come to church. Amen. It'd sure make the trip to church a whole lot better. Probably a few less fussing and fightings going on. Amen. <laughs> Amen. What are you so excited about? I'm getting to go to church tonight. You know, there's a lot of people in my neighborhood. They look at me every time I drive out and they look at me like, where in the world is he going again? Amen. I just smile and wave. They know where I'm going. I've told them too many times. But gladness, singleness of heart, singleness of vision, joy. It was a sing God. That's the third thing. So it's gladness, joy. It was a singleness of mind. It was praising God. And notice the outcome. They had favor with all the people. And God added. He added. He added. Daily. (laughs) They didn't have to go a month or a week or a year. But every day, God just packed something else onto their life. He brought some, he added daily to the church such as should be saved. You know what the Lord spoke to me? He said, if you can ever get your life in that order, if you can work on your attitude, that's what joy and gladness is, your attitude. Make sure that you get a, you've got a right attitude and you come Into my house in the right attitude. Not only that, but you come in with your heart pointed in the right direction. How many times, and I'm not going to ask for any show of hands, and I know you won't give yourself away, but how many times have we come to church and we're paying bills And we're figuring out what we're going to do tomorrow and the next day. And then what are we going to do about that problem on Friday? And how are we going to get this done before Saturday? And the Lord's waiting on us. He filled his storehouse up. He he actually didn't fill it. He emptied it out. He, He prepared a banquet table for us. And he's waiting on his kids to get up to the table and and enjoy what he's prepared for them. And we're too busy. Going to some, you know, the, what's the old song? Joe's going to Six Flags. And it, it happens way too often because we let too many things get in our way. I wonder what kind of revival would break out in this church and in our life if we got a one-track mind. <laughs> if we got to the place where, you know what, only thing I need to do is get to church. I was talking to my father-in-law the other day. We were going back over some issues that had happened early on in his life, some of the many adversities he had to face. And he said, you know, this is the way I always felt. I don't care how bad it was at work. I don't care how hard the job was. I don't care how long I had had to work. I don't care how tired I was when I came home from work. There was one thing on my mind. He said, if I can just get to that parking lot, not just in, if I can just get to that parking lot, Everything's going to be all right. And this is a man whose wife spent many, many years in and out of the hospital because of so many sicknesses and issues and, and had to help 
raise two girls many times uh, by himself in, in a sense because she was sick and unable. Not because she didn't want to or couldn't, but she was unable to. But there was one thing on his mind. If I can just get to the house of God, if I can just get to the parking lot, Everything's going to be everything's going to be fine. I can face whatever adversity. I can deal whatever the doctor's telling me's going on in my wife. I can handle anything they're telling me at work as long as I can get to that place. What would happen? Right attitude, heart focused in the right direction. And when you get those two things lined up, you know what happens? It affects your mouth. It affects what comes out of your mouth. Praise, worship, adoration, complaints. You don't have time for that. I don't have grumblings, moanings, whinings. My grand, my, my, my dad said belly aching. If you don't know what that is, you, you can learn, but what, whatever, there, there's something happens when we get a right attitude. And we get our heart focused in the right direction. It's going to affect what comes out of my mouth. There's some things I'm just not going to let come out. There's just some things I'm not going to say. There are some things I'm not going to confess. I'm not going to declare them. Because if I speak them, I give them power. I might think them. But they don't have power over me until I speak them. And if somehow I could understand that, get my heart right, get my attitude right, make sure God's able to control that. And that's the thing, that, that that's the secret to it. Just get full of the Holy Ghost and let the Holy Ghost have control. Just wash you every day and cleanse you every day. And then it's not hard to let praise come out. Amen. And, and, and then when praise, when, when it affects my mouth, that will also affect the way people feel about me. And the way they talk about me. And the way they look at me. They had favor with all the people. You know, the only people that hated them were the religious people. Everybody else, man, they were amazed at these people. But so, so get it with me. The progression, gladness, everybody say gladness, joy, right attitude, singleness of heart, your heart pointed in the right direction, your heart reaching for the right thing, your heart desiring the right things. And then that affects my, my words. And praise starts flowing out. I don't know you praise the Lord. I praise my spouse. Oh, uh, that would cause a real revival around. Oh, we'd have a Holy Ghost revival if, if we started practicing this. Amen. Praising our, our spouse, praising our friends. You say, what do I have to praise them about? Praise them and you'll... Change the way they think about you and change the way they look at you and change the way they feel about you. I'm convinced the reason some people have not wanted the Holy Ghost sometimes is because when they looked at the people that so 
supposedly had the Holy Ghost, they were thinking, man, if that's what the Holy Ghost does to them, I don't want that. (laughs) They're mean. They never smile. They think that when you get the Holy Ghost, you're supposed to lose all ability to enjoy life and have a good time and, 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 and learn how to laugh. Woo! I'm getting, I feel anointed right now. The keynote of the early church was simply that they were a happy people. They were thrilled with what had happened. They were attractive because of what was going on on the inside of them. God help it happen to me. Help it happen to me. They created a sense of excitement, an air of anticipation. They did not look out at the world thinking, what has become of this world? They went out into the world saying, look what has come to this world. Amen. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Number two. The church is at its best when she deals with adversity, with anointing. Amen. Say that with me. The church deals with adversity, with anointing. Read with me Acts chapter 4. Acts the fourth chapter and verse number 23, the Bible said this is after they had been taken uh, in and threatened by the religious leaders because of what had happened with the miracle. The scripture said, and being let go, they went to their own company and reported all the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, They lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why doth the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? And the kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth, against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. And grant unto us a means of escape. Grant unto us that we don't have to go through this persecution anymore. No, no, no. Grant unto us. Grant unto us that with all boldness they may speak thy word. By stretching forth thy hand to heal. Don't stop what you're doing, Lord. Magnify what you're doing. And that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place 
was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. Amen. Sometimes we need a new perspective on adversity and opposition. Acts chapter 5 and verse number 40. And to him they agreed. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council. Weeping, crying, mourning, Facebooking, whining. Oh no, you know what I'm... They, they left the council rejoicing. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house... They ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. The church is at its best when it learns to deal with adversity through anointing. And that we look at opposition as an opportunity, not an opposition. That when you look at what is against you, you realize that that's nothing compared to what is for you. All we need is just a move of God in this place and it'll change everything. I don't care how many devils might show up. I don't care how many bad spirits may be around. I don't care how many sorcerers there are. I don't care how many incantations have been put over the people. I don't care how you read the book of Acts. There was one woman and one man that held a city in sway because of their evil influence. But when Paul came in with the message, (laughs) he turned their little party upside down, delivered that girl, broke that bondage. Amen. Why? When we are at our best, we will face persecution in the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And we will not be afraid. They knew that they were going into hostile environments, but they were not worried about the environment. They were only consumed with the Holy Ghost and with power. Opposition cannot stop apostolic faith. Opposition cannot stop Holy Ghost revival. Opposition cannot stop the miraculous hand of God. Adversity cannot keep the hand of God from working in your life. I don't care if the economy goes in the tank and Wall Street craters. I know that God has his hand on your life and my life. And the scripture says, I was once young, now I am old. But I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor has seen beg bread. And I'm here to tell you, somehow God is going to make a way. Even 
if he has to take you out to a brook and feed you by ravens, he'll take care of you. Amen. You know what? When we start believing that, we're going to start walking in a power of the Holy Ghost like the New Testament church. That's why they weren't afraid to go into any city. It didn't matter. Ephesus, Corinth, uh, no, no place was off limits to them. And, and you know, you think we live in a wicked culture? You need to go back and read New Testament history. Go read the history of the churches in Corinth and Ephesus and all of those areas where filth that went on and the corruption, the, the, the filth that went on under the guise of humanity and they walked right into the midst of it with the power of the Holy Ghost and turned that city, even that there were saints in Caesar's household. And at that time, there was probably no one on planet Earth that was any more evil than he was. Amen. And yet the Holy Ghost isn't afraid of any of those things. And when we start living like that, when we start operating, we're not afraid to go in whatever the environment. We're not looking for trouble. I don't go looking for devils, but if a devil shows up, I'm not afraid of him. I don't live in fear that if I walk out this door, he's going to jump on me when I walk out the door. He may try. (laughs) But I'm not looking for... I'm looking for the Holy Ghost to be poured out. I'm looking for God to manifest His glory. I'm looking for the Lord to use me to reach somebody. I'm looking for God to use you to reach somebody. I'm looking for God to break the yoke on somebody's life and set them free so that they can experience the power of the Holy Ghost. That's what happens when the church operates in that dimension of faith. They seize the opportunities when they present them to them. I'm going to close with this. Number three, I believe, and this is something that has been eating on me and and working on me for months before we even began this series, but I believe that the church is at its best when it lives and walks in the fear of God. I went back and I looked again through the book of Acts. And there are several significant passages that confirm what I want to share with you in closing. Acts 2.43 said, And fear came upon every soul. And fear came upon every soul. And what happened next? And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Fear came on every soul. And when fear came on every soul, miracles started happening. Supernatural things started taking place. Acts chapter 5, verse number 5, Ananias and Sapphira, you know the story. Ananias, hearing the words of Peter, fell down, verse number 5, and gave up the ghost. And the scripture says, and great fear came on all them that heard these things. Skipping down to verse 11, his wife has now come in and conspired in that. She's no longer alive. And verse 11 said, And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. And when that happened, and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. 
And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And the rest durst not, durst not man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And the believers were added the more, or, or the, the believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes, both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with us. I am convinced they were healed every one. I am convinced after reading through this over and over and over again, that the trigger point, the thing that released that kind of power in the apostolic church was the fact that great fear came on all of them. Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 9, let me go there first. Chapter 9, verse 31. It says, Then had the churches rest, throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. And what happened? They were multiplied. Acts chapter 19, verse 17. This was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus And fear fell on them all. And when fear fell on them all, what happened? The name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. So there's something happens. When that element of fear, whatever that is, and I'm going to try to explain that to you, but whatever that aspect of my relationship to God is. There is something that is released in the Holy Ghost. There is something that operates in the realm of people who walk in the fear of God, who live in the fear of God, who allow that fear to come on them and come over them. It opens the door For things to happen in the supernatural that will not be released under any other circumstance. So what is this fear? It is not the word that many of you may think. It does not mean a fear of as a dread of someone. The word phobos, which is used in the New Testament is a powerful and interesting word that more literally would be translated awe. Great awe came on them. But that word in itself is not, it's not sufficient to describe the depth of what was happening. What, what was actually transpiring in the church. What was going on in their spirits and in their minds. It was not just an awe of God. It was a reverence. It was a respect. 
for God, for who he was, for what he represented, for every aspect of his character, his holiness, his power, his glory, his dignity. There was such an attitude toward him. There was no one else like him. There was no one to compare with him. There was no one, no one like him. And there was such a reverence sent to me over them. They were struck with amazement. A reverence, listen to me. It was a reverence for his power. They, they realized what God could do. Now we think of that in terms when we're talking about fear. You know, I know what God can do to you. He can zap you. He can curl your hair. He can put you six feet under. That, no, 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 no. They were conscious of what God was able to do in any atmosphere, in any city, in any community, any setting. Demons, devils, religious people, none of that stopped. Wherever they walked, they walked in this awe that God's going to be here. And if God's here, something's going to happen. Something's going to break. Hell's going to tremble tonight. And everywhere they walk, everywhere they live, everywhere they found themselves together, together, there was this attitude of, 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 of reference and respect to God's power, His glory, His character, who He was, His holiness. His holiness. You see, that is an aspect Of the Lord that has been lost in the culture in which we now live. And we are, we are, we're inebriated, best word I can think of, with the love of God, but we don't want to talk about the fear of God. And the truth is, I can never Understand the love of God without understanding His character, His holiness, His glory. And when the church operated, when they walked in that realm of respect, everywhere they went, they just expected God to show up. They expected God to do something. If they laid hands on somebody to pray for them, They weren't begging. They weren't wishing. They expected God to do something. What would happen to the church in this hour if somehow we could recapture that sense of the early church, of a reverence and just an awe. God is in this place. God, God is here. Something's going to happen. God doesn't show up without a purpose. He didn't come without some kind of plan. He, there's something God, God, they lived in that. And because they lived in that, 
that expectation released the hand of God to do just what they were expecting. Miraculous things happened. Miracles happened. Wonders. God multiplied the church. They didn't have to figure out new growth strategies for the church. They didn't have to come up with some kind of gimmick. What are we going to do for them next Sunday? What are we going to give away next Sunday? There was such, and I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, I've never had anything stir me. I believe that the key to apostolic revival that's in the New Testament church is founded in that one principle right there. They walked in the fear of God. That's how the old timers lived. And I'm going to tell you what, there was a presence about those men that when they came into a place, it'd make carnal people shake in their boots. I mean, if you were half backslid, you'd start trying to find a place to pray. You felt like they were looking right through you. You felt like this fixing to call you out. What was it? Is because they recognized that God is in this place and God can do anything. There's nothing that God cannot give victory over. There's nothing that God can't deliver us from. And they lived in that atmosphere. They walked in that atmosphere. As a blind preacher, I never even, I never got to meet him. Heard many, many stories about him. His name was Joe Duke, blind evangelist. One of the most powerful men that probably preached the Pentecostal message in the New Testament in this era, in, in the early days of Pentecost. Could not see a thing with his physical eyes, but he could see plenty with spiritual eyes. And came into communities. Verbal being was another one that could come into a community and through prayer and walking in that atmosphere of reverence and walking in that atmosphere of the holy. That's why they, many times services, people, they would say, let's, let's, let's walk lightly before the Lord. You ever, what, what are you talking about? Let's, 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 let's be careful. Let's, let's not rush through this. What, what's, what's going on? They realized that, that the, that God had stepped in to that moment that he had, he was wanting to do something. And you know what? That's when things, powerful things happen. And I believe that if as a church we can ever recapture that, walking in the fear of God. I'm not afraid of Him. I'm not thinking in terms that He's got lightning rods and a hammer and a hatchet and He's just waiting for me to show up so He can beat me up and cut me up. But he's got handfuls of blessings and handfuls of miracles that he's wanting to release and turn loose in our lives if we would just understand who he is. He's he's God Almighty. He's all the time God Almighty too. Doesn't matter if it's a Monday or a Tuesday or a Sunday. Amen. They walked in the fear of God. I wonder what would happen to our lives if that could happen to us, that we could truly begin to walk in that dimension of God.
You know, some people get spooked by that. Brother Hughes, aren't you afraid some bad things are going to happen? No. Because there's enough God to stop that. There's enough Holy Ghost to keep that from happening. I'm not afraid of what God can do. I'm afraid of what we may not let God do. Well, they walked in the fear of God. That has been troubling me for months. Because I don't fully understand all the fear of God. I, I wish I did. I, I, I wish I knew more about what all the fear of God represented. But this I do know. The fear of God is a total acknowledgement of all that God is. It is the revelation of God to His people that contains an element of the mysteriousness of God's awesomeness, His otherness, what, what, what all He's able to do. There's nothing too hard for God. It is that reverence and respect I believe that's one thing that's been lost in the, in the present day church culture. We have lost our respect for God. If we did not, if we had not lost it, it, it would not be reflected in the way people go to church. Amen. Praise God. I'm not saying us, but I'm saying the way people go to church. The fear of the Lord was the inducement in their life to submission and obedience to all that God wanted them to do. And in turn, when fear, when that, when that aspect of, of, of their spiritual walk with God began to be manifest, other things, miracles, God began to multiply, add, he didn't just do it daily. He multiplied over and over. I love the way it says. And they were multiplied. And another one says, and they were greatly multiplied. Amen. Stand with me if you will. I, I am convinced tonight that if we can ever tap in to these simple, basic principles of the New Testament church. Our church is going to be elevated to even a higher place of the miraculous and the supernatural. I don't live for that, but I should live expecting that. I don't have to have that. To live for God. But that ought to be a natural outcome of living for God. Amen. He's mighty. We we sing about it. He's awesome. There's no God like our God. There's no rock like our rock. (laughs) There's no no other name under heaven given among men. That's why I get so excited when we start singing about the name of Jesus. Because we're singing about the one and only name that can save, redeem, free, 
heal, deliver. Amen. Amen. There is no way. Listen to me. There is no way for a person to live a holy life without the fear of God in their life. And this is what I've come to understand about people. If holiness is lacking in their life, and that the fear of God is missing from their life. Amen. God, help us to grab Grab hold of that. If we could recapture that reverence, that devotion, the admiration, the awe, the wonder, the marvel, the respect, the esteem, the amazement, I believe we would see revival of apostolic proportions again. I believe that. I'm convinced of that. Walking in the fear of the Lord. I want to find my way to that dimension somehow before it's over with. I don't want to end my life without knowing something about walking in that. Would you just reach out to the Lord right now and let's just talk to Him. God, you know where we are. You know what we need to draw close to you tonight. We're hungry for apostolic revival. We're hungry, Lord, tonight. Maybe not as deeply as we need to be, but we are hungry for for greater things, Lord. We've sang about it. We've shouted about it. Lord, somehow that's got to translate into a hunger. It's got to translate into a desire to walk in this atmosphere of awe, to walk in an atmosphere of, of expectation that, that you're here, that anything could happen. That you're here, miracles can happen. You're here, wonders can be performed. You're here, people can be saved. You're here, people can be healed. You're here, people can be delivered. Help us, God, to somehow find a way through all of the, 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 the distractions of life and Get back that one-mindedness, that single-heartedness that this New Testament church had. Oh, Lord, I pray your blessings upon this church tonight. I pray today. God, I want your hand upon us. I want your blessings upon us. I want your favor upon us.